TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey everybody, Steve Gennaro here, welcoming you back to another episode of TFC Talk. This week we decided to do something different, considering we've come to the closure of the regular season, TFC Air Supporters Shield champions, and that feels great. And while there's an international break, and then we get Montreal at home on the 15th, and Atlanta away on the 22nd, and still the opportunity for the most points ever in an MLS season. Toronto FC sitting right now at 65 points. 68 is the Galaxy record for most points in a season. So it's the potential is still there for Toronto FC to tie or even break that record. For the most part, now we feel the sense of closure coming on the regular season of you know 2017 MLS. And now we're starting to look forward to the playoffs. We know for a fact that Toronto FC will play its first playoff match away. Uh, The team is still to be determined, but that will be either the 30th or the 31st of October. The first leg of the Eastern Conference semifinals, which is a two-legged match, will be away, and TFC will travel to that game. And if you want to travel as well, don't forget to check out TFC on the road. That's one of our new sponsors here at TFC Talk, and they'll be organizing a great trip heading down to that away match, and you you can obviously um, sign up to be a part of that as well. So maybe you want to check that out. Then we also know that the first home game will happen the following week. Sunday, November 5th will be the first home playoff match. It'll be the second leg of the Eastern Conference semifinals. It will be at BMO Field. And so now Toronto FC gears themselves towards that. Who the opponent is likely to be, we don't know because the way in which the MLS playoffs work is that the top two seeds, so Toronto and either New York City or Atlanta, depending on how the season uh, finishes out, both receive a first round bye or a first week bye. And then midweek, uh, in, the, in the, the last week of October, seed three versus six and four versus five playoff. So the three seed will be either Atlanta or New York City. The four seed will be Chicago, very likely. The fifth seed looks to be Columbus, very likely. But the sixth seed is up for grabs with four teams still battling. New York Red Bulls hold pole position. They have three games remaining. They have a multiple point lead on, on all the other teams and would really take a collapse uh, of maybe not epic proportions, but certainly a collapse on their part to not get it done considering they just lost to Toronto FC on the weekend. and Now they would have to basically lose the remaining three games as well. Uh, but they have some tough matches ahead of themselves. They don't. Not, nothing is easy for the New York Red Bulls going forward as they play all teams in playoff contention, two teams above them and uh, one team uh, below them. But if, if it's the Red Bulls, then so be it. If not, it will, it will be one of Orlando, Montreal, Philadelphia, uh, you know, all in New England are all sort of mathematically still in it. So whoever the sixth seed is plays the three seed. So we're looking at a matchup maybe between City versus Red Bulls. That would be very exciting. Or maybe Atlanta versus Red Bulls or Orlando, and that would be very exciting as well, too. There's a little bit of rivalry element that could be in there. After that, that's a single game elimination, knockout elimination that happens midweek. So three plays six, four plays five, and a single game elimination. After that single game elimination, everything reseeds. Okay, everything reseeds. And what that means is whoever the lowest remaining seed is. So if, for example, the sixth seed beats the three seed, the sixth seed would come, would face off against Toronto. If the three seed wins over the six seed, which they should, but uh, then the then the winner of four five would play Toronto FC. So we don't know who Toronto FC will play in that first round because everything reseeds after that single game elimination. 
But the, the Eastern Conference semifinals, which is the first match Toronto FC will play in the playoffs, is two-legged. The first leg is away. The second leg is home. And it is aggregate. Aggregate goals across two legs. And away goals are counted as well in the case of a tie in aggregate at the end of 180 minutes. So that's a little update as to what to expect from Toronto FC come the playoffs. And we thought now that as we're getting ready to, you know, we have a little bit of time. We have two weeks. We have the international break. And before the Montreal Impact come to town October 15th, Supporters Shield will be presented. Very uh, likely that, well, we know that Montreal Impact are still mathematically in the playoff race. They sit three points back of Red Bulls uh, going into the October 15th match. And on October 15th, I believe Red Bulls play Atlanta. So there's an opportunity for Montreal to come here and still make a push into the playoffs. But a Toronto FC win over Montreal October 15th would mathematically eliminate Montreal from the playoffs. So there's a lot to play for here October 15th. There's the chance to, uh, well, first of all, you get the shield presented in front of your rivals on your home field. That will be exciting. Second of all, you have the chance to eliminate your rivals from the playoffs so they don't even make the playoffs. Also very exciting. But thirdly, also point worth pointing out with a win against Montreal October 15th, Toronto FC would tie the single season record for most points ever in a season with 68 points that time that great LA Galaxy team. So a lot still to, to come. But why don't we take a, a walk back before we go forward? I thought for today, we can hear some, there'll be some audio from Greg Vanny uh, as well in, in here today. You hear his thoughts at the Kia Trading Ground, just about clinching the Sporter Shield, about looking forward to October 15th against Montreal, some status updates, players going away on international duty and health and what's up with Javinko and all that kind of stuff. But also I thought it'd be nice if we heard some stories from supporters. And so I've gone out and I've um, asked a, a few p different individuals from some of the different supporters groups that you'll know from the South End to come on and tell their stories, their stories as supporters, how they came to support the club, what their journey's been like through the years, and what it felt like to finally be able to hoist the supporters' shield or to win the, you know, the league <laughs> and how how great that feels, especially considering how 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 far this club has come from day one or even from just a couple years ago. I mean, when this team bottomed out in, in, in 2012 under Aaron Vinter well, while making a Champions League run, but, you know, they're still unable to win, you know, was it, it was like nine games in a row or something like that to start the season. So the team has really climbed its way back into a peak position and we thought, I thought it'd be nice to hear some of the voices of supporters. So that's what you'll get going forward now. So sit back and enjoy the show. It's a special edition of TFC Talk. I'm your host, Steve Gennaro. TFC Talk is brought to you by Extreme Toronto Sports Club, xtsc.ca. Make sure you check them out for all your recreational sports needs in and around the great city of Toronto. And also brought to you by tfconthero.ca. Make sure you check them out for travel arrangements, busing, tickets, hotels, uh, you know, travel with other supporters down to TFC's away playoff matches for both the Eastern Conference semifinals and the Eastern Conference finals, and you can do that with tfconthero.ca. Okay, I'm Steve Gennaro. This is TFC Talk, and until next time, up the Reds. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. So, Greg, back to work today. You're obviously down some players, but what are you looking to accomplish during this two-week international bye week? Uh, trying to maintain some of our sharpness. Um, obviously, the guys that are here will keep their fitness levels up, keep them um, healthy. Uh, we've got a lot of our defenders here, so we can obviously tactically work on some things. And, and uh, the guys that are here just keep them going. So we'll push them from a competitive standpoint. Uh, again, challenge them to be sharp and to think. And, um, you know, we'll cover some things, but we, we've got a fair number of guys gone. So to go over any broad tactics is um, probably not our our most 
top of our priority list here the next few days anyway. With two games to go, and obviously before the playoffs as well, is this a good time to have a break just to kind of recalibrate and just reset or do whatever, take advantage of this time? It, it is what it is. I don't know. I don't know if we can say it's good or bad. It's, uh, you know, I like the rhythm of playing at least once a week. Uh, I think we have a good routine with that, and the guys are, are locked in on, on that routine. Um, you know, to have guys go away and, and play in such big, such big games right now is it's – it's good. It's exciting for them, but it's also uh, it's not easy to have your attention on two things that are highly important at one time in the year. And so, uh, I think that's that's always a challenge as we get down the stretch in the playoffs or close to the playoffs and international breaks, especially when you know World Cups are on the line and and uh, everything is kind of playing out here over the next few weeks. So, um, so again, it, it is what it is. We manage it. We never you know look at it as a big burden. We just we look at it as something we have to deal with, and we uh, we train accordingly. Your team's healthy now. This is also a good time to work with players who maybe aren't seeing a lot of minutes. Just saw you kicking the ball around with Subasa a little bit. Seems like he's a player, after every training session, he stays out there to work an extra time. As a coach, that needs to be kind of rewarding seeing players put in that extra time, even though they're not seeing the field. Yeah, we have a we have a good group in that way. A lot of, got a lot of guys who love to play the game and uh, are dedicated to their craft and getting better. Subasa, as, many, as much as anyone, uh, he's usually the first one out, the last one to leave, uh, always working on something. Uh, technically, he's he's gifted and proficient. Uh, and so, you know, for me, it's I like kicking the ball around with him. It's, it takes me back to my old days of just hitting long balls all over. And, uh, you know, at the end, it's just talking to him a little bit about, you know, where he's at and what things that, uh, where he's progressing and where we need to continue to have him progress and, you know, keeping him sort of locked in on what he needs to be thinking about over these next you know, hopefully a couple months of training because he, he still has uh, things he can gain out of this too and you never know what happens in a season. So with the team relatively healthy right now, it looks like um, Javinko's on the road to recovery as well. Now it's kind of all about you and the decisions of, that you and the coaching staff need to make about who's going to be in your rotation, who are going to be players you can lean on. Are you at a point where you can firmly say that, yes, I understand who my guys are right now or you still try to figure out who may slide in and who may be on the outside looking in? We have a good sense of it. You, you take that in and your assessments over the entire year, and and you know how guys perform, how guys perform in different situations. Sometimes guys start better than they come off the bench, right. and vice versa. So, uh, you know, we've we've obviously taken note a lot of that, but uh, also it comes down to form. And and even though we're at the tail end of the season, we still have a couple months left in the season, and and the form of individual players can sometimes change over the course of a couple months guys can start coming into training and start really lighting things up and uh so i think you have to keep an open mind but i think you know the point of the regular season amongst all things is also to really assess the team and see how much guys have progressed and uh and where they are when when you get down the stretch and who you feel like you can rely upon in you know any given situation seba back in full training today or is what's his status well, he's back in full training, but we didn't uh, for today. We didn't go to big goals, so there wasn't any, you know, big shooting and stuff like that. We'll probably, you know, slowly progress him this week into some of that stuff, and and the hope that uh, by you know next week when we come out training, that he'll be, you know, more ready to be all in and just ready to start, you know, going forward. So the expectation is that he'll be able to play again. Yeah, that's that's the expectation. That's the hope. Uh, again. Um, it's day to day in terms of you know as long as we just keep moving forward, then we should be in good shape. How much, if at all, do you kind of keep touch with the players who are away on international duty, or do you kind of just detach and let them be? Yeah, not much. Uh, 
I think it's a, a very important time for them and, and where they are. And so, um, I, you know, I'll send a text, good luck, and I'll send a text, congratulations, or otherwise, or uh, whatever. And that way, just to know that, let them know we're, we're watching, rooting them on, and all those kinds of things. But uh, I won't get involved in and tactics or our group or things that didn't happen in the last game that need to happen in the next game or I, or great things that happen. I don't want to get into that. They have they have much, you know, they have big things that they need to concentrate on and I don't want to throw them off of that. Still, it's got to be a little, I would think, a little nerve-wracking just for them to have so many guys away and God forbid they pick up an injury or a knock or something. Well, yeah, always. That's always, uh, you know, the case. But that's, you know, anywhere around the world, you know, players... Uh, it's an honor to turn, go play for your country, and, and obviously in such big games, um, the guys that we send to the U.S. are, are going to play a huge factor in their ability to qualify here. Uh, we've got other guys, the Canadian guys, who are all making a case for themselves in that team, so they, it's important for them. Uh, so it's you know it's an honor for them to be there. It's part of the game uh, as, as we've known it forever, and uh, our hope is that they can go there and perform great and come back healthy. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, I thought in all of his duels, uh, even in moments that he had to cover situations that I thought he was quick. I thought uh, he was almost toying with people in terms of how fast he was and the spaces in front of him and being able to close things down. He played strong. Um, I, I thought it was just another in, in a series of a lot of great performances from Chris where he, he shows you he can just lock guys down and lock situations down, but also has that unique ability with his athleticism, ability to read things to cover uh, in situations that look like they're going to be very costly. Somehow he manages to turn them into defensive plays. And so uh, it was it was a good game for Chris. It was great to have him back. It looks like he was feeling better. Uh, looked like he was a little more spry, uh, both mentally and physically. So... Um, you know, we'll likewise utilize this little break here to make sure we keep progressing him forward because it's just kind of a nagging thing that he's had. And, and uh, so the better he feels, the, the better it is for us. What exactly has been his injury? It's, it's hard to define. I mean, it's kind of in the abdominal growing, you know, we haven't finalized the check for training. We don't know exactly, but it's a, so it's kind of in an abdominal strain space right now. But it's so hard to... Uh, I, I was the same way, you know, two of my three years in France, I was out for a very similar situation, but it, there's so much going on in that region, it's hard to sometimes really pinpoint exactly what muscles or what, you know, what it is that's going on. You just know you're just, there's discomfort. And so the treatment is by and large, you know, more or less the same. You're just trying to, you know, remove the discomfort and, and help them heal. So um, I, I can't tell you specifically, but I think right now we're working a little bit off of an abdominal strain until otherwise, but the MRI didn't show anything specific either. And uh, as if it could be any other way, both uh, Justin Morrow and, and Stephen Bateshaw reached their 200-game plateau on the same night. Yeah. Can you just sort of speak about the, the ties between the two, how their careers are sort of intertwined? Yeah, I mean, two guys who are consummate professionals whose, uh, you know, by and large, their pathways have, <laughs> have intersected, you know, over large parts of their career in San Jose. Uh, you know, they were two critical pieces to what was a supporter shield winning team there in San Jose. Uh, they got divided up, you know, for a couple of years, Justin ended up coming here, beta to Vancouver, but you know, they've, they've shown, and then they, you know, they get together again here and they've shown that on the outsides of, of any team, they're capable of, of getting results, but they're also guys who are reliable from a fitness standpoint and they're pros to take care of themselves. They are two of our guys who are the first one's in the gym, the last one's out. They have very specific, you know, routines and protocols that they 
are very diligent about following and, and that, you know, I think that allows them to, you know, to really be prepared and ready for, for every game. And that's a big part of, of being a pro is knowing yourself and knowing what you need and uh, being ready to perform week in and week out. It's, uh, I mean, you, you don't get to 200 games, 300 games, 400 games and so on. If, if you don't know those things about yourself, you don't have that dedication to your, to your craft and to your physical well-being. Post-match, you you mentioned how the supporters shield for the traditional fans sort of sort of means a, a little bit more. Um, another one of those traditions is the honor guard way when the team clinches. <laughs> what do you think about that? Is that something MLS should maybe think about doing? Would Montreal be interested in doing it on the 15th? <laughs> uh, I doubt they would be interested in doing it. Um, I don't have a, a grand opinion just because it's not couple things it's not been our tradition in our league nor is the team that wins the supporter shield necessarily the champion in our league and so uh you know by by the way our league is set up in really all sports in north america you go through the championship through the uh, the playoffs and ultimately that's the team that is seen as the champion so um and then that team gets a nice colorful ball that's different than everybody else the next year that's the that's the tradition but uh i understand it around the world i think it's an interesting uh, respectful um, sign for the team that that has has won the league. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's something that's going to happen here, and I don't have a great opinion otherwise. Um, we won't be expecting it. Let's put it that way. On next Sunday, you're a hard man to please because what Jamo said after the game was that one of the first things he said to you, you said to him, was you should have four. Yeah, I mean, no, I was giving him a hard time because <laughs> it, it's uh, it's obviously. A, a very very rare occasion that a that a defender uh, picks up three, uh, and he did have one other wonderful look there in the first half where he was in a great spot. I think he was just trying to get it back across the goal towards Josie, so maybe Josie could tap it in, and uh, he ended up obviously hitting the post with that one. That was the one I was giving him a hard time about, but uh, it was it seemed like the uh, the fun thing to say in the moment to get a smile out of him, and uh, but he was obviously enormous for us this weekend and his capacity to cover ground and get himself in front of goal and uh you know those were those were not traditional outside back types of goals those were striker goals poachers guys who are hanging out around the box and you know justin puts a ton of work to get into those spaces i think to be fair i think chris's capacity to cover so much ground behind him allows him to really be aggressive i think it's a it's a great combination over there Uh, and raheem plays he's more of attacking minded it's it's same i think there's it's a good good thing we have going on our left side for sure did you ever score three in a game I did not. I think maybe twice. Uh, one of those would have for sure been a uh, probably a PK, maybe another a goal, uh, free kick. I don't know. I, I didn't spend as much time in front of the net as, as Justin's been able to find, which is a good thing for us. So just going back to Mike Trail, it sounds like you, you don't really sort of focus on them this week, but probably next week when everyone gets back. Correct. Yeah, that's that's correct. We'll, we'll focus on us. There's, you know, there's some things that we still think we can uh, – we need to tighten up and um, and then just some general things that we want to keep the guys going. It's it's always a challenging week this first week because you don't have a specific thing in front of you that uh, and so it's it's really locking everybody in on their individual needs or, or just some very specific details within our team that we need to sort out. Does the points record, I mean the shield was obviously a priority now that that's out of the way. Is the- is the points record a priority, or is it just? Yeah, it's, it'd be nice to have. But. No, it's not a priority. It's uh, I think performance and momentum and uh, those types of thing are are really the priority as we get back. Uh, performance meaning everybody's locked in and right. and you know doing the we're doing the right things and we are 
Uh, we're firing as, on as many to all cylinders as, and uh, you know, if we do that, then hopefully the points will follow. That's you know, we're gonna we're gonna stick with that that line. Just keep concentrating on our performances, and good things will happen for this team if we do. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Thank Greg. You. TFC Talk on All In Sports. All talk. In Sports Talk, twenty four seven Sports Talk Radio. All right, welcome back to the show, TFC Talk. Steve Gennaro here, and I'm joined right now by Mike Dubrick. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your connection to Toronto FC, to supporters, the supporters groups, and how you came to get involved with the club in the early years? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I was uh, in it pretty early um, when we, you know, when, when they announced the team, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I wasn't different from a lot of other supporters out there that were really craving something. And so I went to get some digging online. I was looking around. I was trying to find out simple things like what was the jersey going to look like? What was the logo going to look like? Those sorts of things. And, um, yeah, I stumbled upon uh, a message board and started chatting with some other kind of like-minded guys. And, you know, it's funny. Um, I knew I wanted to get season tickets from day one, but you know, a lot of my friends and, and people that I hung out with weren't really that interested, to be honest. And so uh, I kind of found this group of guys and we started uh, chatting uh, online, just, you know, and uh, once there was sort of a little co- a collection of, you know, 15 or 20 of us, um, we started talking about, you know, uh, contacting the team and maybe even forming uh, a bit of a group. And, uh, and it really sort of started from there. And, um, you know, we, started thinking, you know, do we need a name for this thing? Are we going to create a group? Are we going to try to just be a bunch of buddies watching soccer? Or are we going to uh, try to form a, a proper supporters group? And I was a really big advocate of, of trying to form a group and, and really make it into something, um, you know, into something special. And, uh, and so we named it Red Patch Boys and, and went from there. How, how did the name Red Patch Boys uh, come about? How, how, how did you guys pick that name? <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because I ha- you know, there wasn't as much thought into this than, than I think <laughs> some people might think. Um, we were just sort of going back and forth, and, uh, you know, this might be revisionist history, but my recollection of it was uh, uh, one of the guys, Craig, he threw out the name Red Patch Devils, and, uh, you know, he really liked that connection to sort of Canadian history, and it had the, the red flag with the yellow leaf on it, or the gold leaf on it, and... Uh, you know, felt like Red Patch Devils might have been a bit too much of a, almost like a, a United kind of feeling. So we changed it to boys and that was it. It was really as simple as that. It was like, why don't we just change Devils to boys and away we go. Um, and that was it. You know, now the South End is uh, hopefully united. There are multiple supporters groups across the South End. Red Patch Boys occupy both corners of the South and the West End of the, sta- of the, of the stadium itself. But it wasn't always like that. So how did you get situated in BMO? And, and what, 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 was, what were some of the early days like for the supporters group of Red Patch Boys? Well, it was really interesting because, I mean, I think we all had this sort of idea that we wanted it to be sort of a big group. But, I mean, it was really, it was a small collection of people who were really passionate, passionate about the club and, and wanted it to be something special. And we wanted to, uh, you know, emulate what we had grown up watching in Europe and, and uh and around the world. And so, you know, we really started talking about where are we going to, where are we going to sit? Um, and there's talk about, you know, do we want to sit in 115 right behind the net? Do we want to sit in the corner? Like what is going to be the best place for us to situate ourselves? 
and uh, we sort of landed on on 112 right in the corner there, and then we you know picked up the phone and phoned the club, and you know uh, at that stage I don't think you know MLSE really understood the impact that it was going to have in the city and the type of club that they were really producing. And I, you know, you got to give credit to Paul Byrne and, and all the guys at the club at that time who really embraced the supporters groups and, and really sort of uh, wanted us to sort of um, define what the club was going to be about. So we, we phoned them and we said, you know, we got 25 guys and girls and uh, most of us are going to get a pair. So would you guys be okay if we reserved like 50 seats? in section 112 <laughs> and you know uh they said sure no problem and then you know they gave us sort of like an exclusive uh hold on those 50 seats and then i i don't think we really understood what we were getting ourselves into because 50 went to 100 went to 200 and the next thing you know the whole section was full and we phoned them and asked them you know can we have uh that eastern part as well um you know, in 111, and, and we got some seats there as well. And it just, it kind of took off from there. But I mean, really and truly, you're talking about 25 people from the outset um, really trying to start something. So it really had that kind of grassroots vibe to it um, when we started. And then, you know, of course, there's the other supporters groups picking their section. And, you know, I think it really did take us a few years to kind of really figure out how that was all going to mesh together. And I think, you know, we all had the goal of, of creating a unified support and just, you know, making an amazing atmosphere that, that, uh, that would really drive the club. And, uh, you know, it seems like it took, it took a little while, but I think we got there. Absolutely. Right now, BMO Field is one of the most amazing places to watch a live sporting event in North America, regardless of team or league. Let's talk about the early years, though, because there were a lot of uh, disappointing times. Where we are, we're, we're at the, the pinnacle right now, Mike. We're at the peak, right? The supporters' shield has just been uh, you know, secured for Toronto FC. One win away from the most points ever in an MLS season. A return to the MLS Cup on home soil is very realistic and certainly within focus from the players. But it wasn't always like that. What did you guys and girls in the red, in, in red patch do in the early years to keep spirits up and just you know and and did you ever think a day like today where we are now would would come? Well, I mean, I gotta say off the top, it's it's just such a tremendous achievement uh, what they've done this season and last season as well, and and to see that reward for the supporters uh, is is really amazing and and all the all those years that people put in, but you know there were some there were dark years, there were some dark times, but. I'll tell you, man, in those first few years when, when it really sort of was pretty low, um, it was never really about the success of the club. It was never really about winning at that point. I think it was really about um, this kind of community that was starting to be created in the city that was bringing together football fans from, from all over the world and all over the country. And it really felt like we were part of this thing. It felt really lucky to be part of it. Um, and so, you know, even to this day, a lot of my fondest memories are from that first couple of seasons, you know, like obviously the Dickio goal was huge, but, you know, even for me, uh, our first trip to Columbus, you know, uh, you sector had a bus, we had a bus. So you only got about a hundred people going down. Um, and that was, I remember sitting in the stands and it was, it was empty. And this is when you know, yes, there were contingents of supporters groups around the MLS, but it really was being marketed as a, uh, as a sort of a, a thing that you can take your kids to back then, especially in the States, not so much in Toronto. And I really think that, you know, MLSC to their credit really, really changed the game and really embraced the supporters in a way that 
no other club in MLS was at the time. And, you know, we went down and it was all these young kids and their parents and they're sitting there and the stadium was half full in Columbus. And uh, I remember a guy, Chris from U Sector, started chanting, this is our house. And we had 100 people and we started chanting it in the stands. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's things like that. And then you come back, uh, you come back to a full, you know, 20,000 stadium uh, in Toronto and everyone's chanting it. And then the club, you know, puts it. Uh, above the the tunnel as they're walking out onto the field, and it's it's little things like that for me that I that I kind of hold dear from those early years in the club. Um, the success is amazing and it's exciting, and it's it's great to see the quality of football uh, get to the point where it is now in Toronto. But uh, yeah, man, some of that early stuff really is uh, really is special. Well, Mike, thanks for taking some time to share a few stories. Congratulations to you and to all the supporters in Red Patch Boys for all their years of dedicated service. You know, at TFC Talk, we are very interested in rewarding the supporters. So you and I are going to touch base. We've got a little something coming for you and for Red Patch for all their dedication throughout the years. Really appreciate all you've done for the club. I mean, not just you, but all the entire supporters group of Red Patch Boys. And just in, enjoy the moment and enjoy the run. And hopefully we can have you on after they win the MLS Cup to talk a little bit about that. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much, man. Thanks, Mike. Extreme Toronto Sports Club, XTSC, offers the best co-ed, men's, and women's recreational leagues across the city. Scarborough, North York, downtown Toronto. Indoor and outdoor turf soccer, co-ed volleyball, and ball hockey leagues too. Get your soccer fix with Extreme Toronto Sports Club. Sign up today at xtsc.ca, xtsc.ca. Welcome back to the show. Steve Gennaro here, TFC Talk. With me on the line right now, I have Pedro Dacuna. Pedro, longtime supporter as well at Toronto FC. First off, Pedro, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it, my friend. Tell me a little bit and tell the listeners a little bit about your connection to the South End, to the supporters groups, and how you came to you know, be involved with the club. Um, I first started at the beginning uh Back in 2007, uh, just as a regular season ticket holder in the South End, I was in uh, 116 for about the first like seven, eight years. It was a great time. I was with uh, a lot of friends, just enjoying just being in the South End, just the atmosphere, just enjoying everything like surrounding the club. And then in about 2000, and, uh, uh, I think it was 15, uh, 14, 15, I joined. Uh, uh, Nibriati, like through uh, like mutual friends, and I just loved what they were doing. At that time, they were in uh, section one, uh, section one eleven, and, uh, and 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 they were looking to move to one fourteen. I just connected with them, and I just wanted to be just to, just wanted to to join them, and uh, and uh, yeah, just just be part of the group. You know, while while uh, Red Patch Boys and the new sector, you know, some of the original supporters groups, we have some people on from them this week uh, talking about their experiences. And Ibriati is probably the most visible or the most well-known supporters group, I would think, just amongst casual fans and maybe amongst yeah. people who only see the club on TV. And when you see an Ibriati in the South End jumping up and down behind the, the goal, shirts off in the rain and the snow and the banners and the songs, uh, you know, is it as crazy in in the moment live as it looks on TV. Uh yeah, it's it's it's, it's crazy experience when you like when you're there in the section. It just it's like full ninety minute support. Like you don't stop. You just keep on singing and chanting and just jumping. 
it's just it's an, it's an amazing atmosphere because I, I love that personally. That's kind of like like me. Uh, I just just as a supporter, just be part of that. And and just the guys are just amazing. Just a group of like for, like for me, these guys are like family to me. And just to be part of that group and just them like bring me in from the beginning. It just it's been it's just been like unbelievable. So I'm I'm grateful to 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 be part of the group and just support to Toronto FC. Tell me a little bit about the the love and the passion for for the club that Inebriati has. I want to focus on that. That's the part, you know, you know Pedro, you've you've uh, you know, spoke to me before, you followed me on Twitter for a while. I followed you as well. You know that I've always supported Inebriati. And my my reason for supporting Inebriati through whatever political things have gone on in the past is I know how much that the members of this supporters group love Toronto FC. And I respect that. And I'm a little bit envious, actually, of how much you as a group love the club. Tell me a bit about that love and passion for the club. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to explain because it's more kind of, it's more of a feeling. Like you feel it inside the support of, of the club, just the, the support the city, support just the players and just the, everything, just the... Like it's it's more of a passion. It's like you feel it. It's like it's hard to explain. Like the, the same to like like through uh, the way I'm talking to you right now. It's something you gotta feel, and, and it's in it's like a mentality. Like it's a, it's something where it's honestly is part of your life. It's part of the, the the connection you feel between supporters and the club and the players. It's something. Yeah, just it's it's a feeling. Just so it's something where like you have to experience it and be in the moment and just like it's. Yeah, I know. It's just it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Do you feel the love from the players for you guys in the South End? Do you, have you noticed a change in in the in the relationship of late, or or, or what's that like? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a good relationship between the players and and supporters, especially our group, uh, Nibriati. And it it depends on each individual player. Like some players are are better. There's a better connection between supporters and and. Uh, and players like like Stephen Bader sure is, all, is a great example. He always comes to the South End. Uh, Drew Moore, Michael Bradley, Josie, like, like Victor Vasquez. These are all like uh, I feel like there's more of a connection between these players and the club. I'm not saying like other player other players like don't, but the, the, you, you see you see you see them more like 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 the way they feel about the, the supporters and uh, and and yeah, just it's it's. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I would say. When when they come when they score a goal or you know or, or bring to the end of it, and they come running directly into the south end. Uh, yeah, what, what's that energy like? Do they actually jump up into the stands? Is it almost like that Lambo leap from the NFL? Is that what's going on there? Like how how does that yeah. work? Yeah, 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 exactly. So like, like whenever, especially the I remember one time when when Josie scored, I think. Uh, like, like this season, he just came up, uh, came up to to the Nibiru section, just jumped into, on top of the fans. It's just everything, just <laughs> it was just it was just an amazing moment. Just just especially Josie, like he like I remember I remember when he like, he uh, he did an interview with uh, with Christian Jack at the beginning in the middle of the season, talking about how, like when we were when they, when we had that those kind of sanctions and everything, and how much. Like support, he like he showed us. He told like we need like we need inebriati like on like like be there like for us like hundred percent. And how much like the the guru was talking about that and how much he, he our like, our group specifically meant 
I'm into the players. So, yeah, so that came in a, it meant a lot. Tell me about the feeling of winning the Supporters' Shield. What did, it, what did that? What did that moment feel like? I, I, oh, I was up. I was up in the press box. I actually walked outside so I could hear the, and feel the emotion of the stadium. It was rocking. I mean, the press box was actually shaking from the people jumping up and down in, in the bleachers on the on 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 the, on the west side there. And yeah. the noise was electric. I had my camera out so I could video the, the the audio of it, and just the south end was bouncing. Tell me about that moment of winning the supporters' shield. It was unbelievable. <laughs> what a game! What a game that was, full, full of emotion. Like when it was kind of, it was, it's, it's, it's like, like to, to finally win this supporter shield to be the best team in the league. We've gone through like so much of the beginning of, of the uh, of Toronto City's history of 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 losing seasons and not making the playoffs, and then then last year going to MLS Cup and. Like losing the final, heartbreaking final loss to Seattle, and then this season, maybe, like winning supporters' shield, we won the league. So it's an unbelievable, like amazing feeling to win the league, and just sharing that with with all the supporters and just like having like partying and everything. And uh, so I, I I just can't wait now for the for the playoffs and then this season to win MLS Cup. Are you excited about the fact that the Supporters' Shield will be handed out to Toronto FC at home against the Montreal Impact? Yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed to be yeah, this game against Montreal. So it's going to be, <laughs> it's going it, to be interesting. Is it, more, another, is it more special? Another great rivalry game. Yeah. I was going to say, is it more special to get the Shield on that day because it's Montreal who will be there? Um, yeah, it's a little extra special to, to, to do it against Montreal. Would 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 be you know, would be uh, wouldn't be any different if it was another team, but just just to be have a presentation and the supporter shield comes out and then it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable. Just just to feel the emotion of everybody, like like celebrate like 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 seeing the supporter shield out and just just like like being in the moment, and enjoying it. Well, brilliant. Thank you, Pedro. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate all that you and all the supporters at Inebriati bring to the club, to the team, to the city, to the South End. Your energy is electric every single match, and you do so much. And as you said, Josie Altador spoke about it with Christian Jack, but I've spoken to Josie about it to St. Ricketts, Michael Bradley, Victor Vasquez. No matter who you talk to, any of the players, they will tell you that the energy, the electricity that comes from the South End, from groups like Inebriati and, and supporters like yourself, means the, yeah. means the world to them. It's it, it, it's all really all supported all, like like every, like everybody in the, in the stadium is all for TFC. We're, we we all love this club, and and, and I, w- I would love to see a lot more like like people outside of the supporters groups and just be more vocal, be more active, be participate cause to show our love for Toronto FC because that's this is the club we love. We got we got to continue to support support our our club, our city through thick and thin, ups and downs. That's what that's what it's all about. Well, enjoy the ups because that's where we are now. And just a, a heads up for you, I want to thank you on behalf of you know, TFC Talk and XTSC.ca, our, our sponsors. And we're going to put together a, um, a, a little package for the supporters groups as a thank you for all that they've done for, for the team itself at the end of the season. So I'll be in touch with you and with the great people over at uh, Inebriati. And you know, we want to thank you and thank all the supporters for all they bring to the club and to the city. Thanks so much, Pedro, for your time today. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. 
Sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, my friend. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Welcome back to the show, everyone. TFC Talk. Steve Gennaro here on the phone right now. I have Mike Newell with me. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Steve. Thanks for having me. So in, in this episode, what we're doing is we're talking to the supporters, different groups from within the South South End and, and around the stadium about their experiences as supporters and as, within supporters groups and just the, the long march to winning the supporters' shield. So let's start with that, Mike. Tell us a little bit about you know, what you do in the South End and how you came to be part of this, you know, supporters groups for Toronto FC. Uh, yeah, so I'm a co-founder of Kings in the North, which is a, a Toronto FC sports group, obviously, in Section 116. Um, I'm sort of just a, sort of overall um, part of the leadership uh, group uh, with the uh, with the club, and I'm also uh, a capo um, from time to time. Um, so I'm in the box and, and sort of being the, the loud mouth to get people going in 116. Um how we sort of started is we, we formed in section 127 um, in 2012 uh, during the dark years. So hence why this shield win is such a, an important uh, milestone for, for us as a group and obviously for the club as a whole. Um, and then in uh, 2015, we moved uh, to the South end uh, to 116 where we currently are. And we share with uh, original 109s. Um, yeah, that's basically how we, we sort of got started and then got into the South End and have sort of uh, carried our presence in the South End ever since. As a, as a supporter, as uh, you know, a fan, first and foremost, what, what does the Shield mean to you? Well, I think the Shield, um, as a supporter, means that personally, uh, you know, uh, as somebody who watched this club from day one, um, and somebody who was very close to quitting the club, to be perfectly honest, um, in 2012, when when just things things were in its darkest days, um, it, it means that the waiting, the 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 sort of horrible things that we've had to sit through, the horrible football, whether it be from players, the decisions from management, from front office, upper management, has been worth it. Um, so that that weight, that that sort of torment that we've all gone through as TFC supporters has been worth it. And now to see the shield in Toronto and a team that um, really looks like it's enjoying itself and, and enjoy playing for the badge. Um, it just means a lot to supporters to now have that trophy in our, in our case and, and be pushing uh, for the, for the next big one, um, which would be MLS cup. What's as, as the capital, you know, how, how do you get that job, Mike? And, and then what does it actually entail? Because it's an interesting thing, and certainly you're in clear you know, view of everybody in the stadium. What you do in the South End is incredible. It adds to the atmosphere. The players have spoken about how important it is to them and why they love to play for this team. You know, so so how, how, do you, how do you get that job, and, and exactly you know, what does it entail? Um, how do I get that? I, I kind of got sort of thrown into the job. You don't really kind of get it. You kind of initially get thrown into it. Um, but essentially it's, you know, being comfortable, being in front of people and, and having that passion and that drive to, you know, get the people in front of you to support the 11 on the pitch, um, that we're red. And, and that's really, um, how you get it and how you sort of go about it. And, you know, in terms of, you know, really driving, driving the team, you know, the whole purpose of the capital and the whole purpose of the job, in my opinion, is really to, 
you know, spur on uh, the team, especially not just when they're winning and everything's great and, you know, everything seems to be going to plan, but in those moments where the team seems to need to pick up, that's, you know, when we need to, as as supporters, you know, pick up our voice to to bring the team along. And, and that's sort of what I think a capo, a part of the capo's responsibility is to, to keep uh, supporters in it, even when things don't uh, look so great. And sort of my biggest memory uh, of that obviously is last year's uh, East semifinal where, you know, you're, you go, you're down, you start down and then you go up and then you're down again. And then it's that critical moment to get every back, everybody back in, into it and, and back up so that, uh, that we can push the boys forward and, and, and get a win. What is it about uh, Kings that makes them unique as a supporters group? I had someone from Red Patch on and someone from Indy on. You know, and they're probably two of the the most well known su- supporters uh, groups or, or, uh, with with Toronto FC Red Patch because of I, I think their early stages and their role in the in the beginning days, and of course, Inebriati tends to be the most uh, visual or you know visually known of the supporters groups. What's it about Kings that makes you unique and special as a supporters group? I think what makes us unique um, is sort of we. we we're in a position where we kind of straddle both worlds in the sense that, um, you know, we're a tight knit family. Um, a lot of the people that were in 127 and, and formed with us have moved with us to the South. Um, so they've sort of shared the nomad experience that we've had. Um, but I think what that has enabled us to do is have a unique perspective on, on support in the sense that, um, you know, a lot of our people are football people in the sense that they watch the game, they, they're passionate about the game. They, they chant not just obviously all the chants that we do in the South End that all the groups know and, and do, but, you know, a lot of the chants that, the, that we sort of come out with are sort of out of the blue. They come out of the blue in the sense that their responses are what, what is specifically happening in the match itself. So sometimes, yes, we'll go a bit off tangent in terms of sort of what's happening in the South End because our natural sort of way of chanting, at least when we started and it sort of carried over, is to chant about stuff happening directly in that match at that very moment. Um, and um, we're sort of also in a, a bit of a unique position because the players warm up in front of us. So a lot of the times, you know, the supporters in front of us or the, the supporters in our section will start chanting directly to the players warming up, um, you know, obviously to recognize them and, and to give them a boost as well. So in that way, we're sort of unique in the sense that, um, you know, we're very much in the game and, and uh, we'll chant to sort of what's happening in the match as well as sort of all the traditional chants that go with uh, being in the South End and, and uh, the work that both Red Patch and Inebriati and You Sector do as well. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with the players, Kings and the players itself. What's that relationship like? It's really evolved over the last couple of years, especially as we've moved south. Um, because they warm up in front of us, a, a lot of them get to, so we sort of get to almost sort of talk to them sometimes um, as they're warming up, which I know you're not always supposed to do, but um, that banter goes back, uh, back and forth. It's just sort of a natural thing that happens. Um, and obviously, you know, post-match, as the players sort of do their, their rounds with all the supporters, um, there's definitely a strong bond um, with, with some of the players there. You know, we've had players come out to away viewings and pub nights, um, you know, and, and you sort of build that relationship there with some of the players. And, you know, I've gotten to know some of them on, um, 
outside of uh, of the stadium as well. And and when you get to know them, you realize they're just you know on top of being great footballers and stuff like that, they're great people. Um, and I think that's part of the reason the club has sort of had this great turnaround is that you have such great people that are involved um, in the uh, in the team. Uh, and yeah, that sort of typifies the relationship between Kings and uh, and players right now. Well, Mike, congratulations to you and to all the supporters in the South End, to everyone at Kings for all the work that they do. Uh, I think I've mentioned to you before, but just again, you know, we would like to recognize all your hard work and all the great the work that you do to bring to the atmosphere to support this club, your love for the club, your love for the city, and what that means to Toronto FC supporters everywhere around the globe. And so TFC Talk and XTSC.ca, Extreme Toronto Sports Club, want to thank all the supporters, and we'll have an event a little bit later on uh, towards the end of the year that we would like to have you at to, to celebrate you and your group and all the great work they do. So thanks again, and congratulations on winning the Supporter Shield. Awesome, Steve. Thank you. And thank you for the great work you do uh, with the show. You definitely are, are one of the, the media people that we really lean on to uh, bring us news from the club. So thank you. I appreciate it, Mike. Talk again real soon. Cheers. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. TFC Talk with MLS and TFC journalist Steve Gennaro. TFC Talk is what you've been waiting for. More Toronto FC every single week. Practice reports, one-on-one interviews with players, coaches, executives, club alumni and insiders, and match day coverage of Toronto FC. TFC Talk can be heard on All In Sports Talks, free app or tune-in station, and is simulcast on Waking the Red. You can also listen to past episodes of TFC Talk on All In Sports Talks iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud channels. Be sure to follow Steve on Twitter at underscore S Gennaro and listen to TFC Talk every week. Up the Reds! Up the Reds! Up the Reds!